Osborne made a death mask of Big Nose George. Then they cut the, the top of his skull off to study the brain. And then he went about on his own, uh, skidding the outlaw, tanning the hide, and making a pair of shoes. That's the voice of Dr. Mark E. Miller, whose recent book, Big Nose George, His Troublesome Trail, outlines one of Wyoming's more unusual incidents of the late 1800s. It involves the vigilante-led hanging of an outlaw, a skeleton found in a barrel 80 years later, and a pair of shoes believed to have been made from human flesh that were in the possession of one of Wyoming's early governors. On this episode of That Doesn't Happen Every Day, in which we interview everyday people about things that don't normally happen every day, we try to learn more about Big Nose George and why shoes were made out of his skin. Dr. Miller starts us off. George Parrott was his name. Big Nose George was given to him. He got the Big Nose part of his name because he did have a, a, a big nose. He was probably born around 1843, perhaps in France. That's not been confirmed. The crime he committed that got the attention of law enforcement was in 1878 after he and the Powder River Gang failed in dislodging the train from the Union Pacific Rail Line. The crime Big Nose George was involved with in 1878 seems like something from an Old West melodrama. Near Como, Wyoming, which is now home to the famous museum built out of fossils, George and his cohorts attempted to derail a Union Pacific car carrying payroll for the employees. According to a 2014 article by Lori Van Pelt in wyohistory.org, the gang loosened a spike in the railroad, wrapped it with telegraph wire, and hid in the sagebrush, planning to tug the spike and dislodge the rails to derail the train. The whole thing sounds like something from a Coyote and Roadrunner cartoon, but luckily, someone working for the railroad saw the loose spike and fixed it. It's not clear how exactly the gang was linked to this crime, but a railroad agent and a deputy chased the gang into a forest near Elk Mountain, south of present-day Interstate 80. The Powder River gang ended up ambushing and killing both of those men. Dr. Miller talks about the reputation of the two slain men in the area. Very popular men, very honest men, and, and uh, people appreciated them. The community was very angry at the people that did it. Big Nose George, he was found in, in Miles City, Montana, a couple years after the murder. And our, one of our deputies, uh, Rankin, went up there, got him, and took him to Rollins, where he stood trial. He, he actually pled guilty, and he was sentenced to hang April 2nd, 1881. It's unclear how he got it. But somehow Big Nose George used a pocket knife to cut through one of the rivets in his shackles ten days before his scheduled hanging. He attacked the jailer with the shackles he'd taken off of himself. The jailer was able to holler for his wife, who came from the kitchen area, and pushed the door shut, locking him into the corridor so otherwise he may have gotten out. And it angered the community enough to where a group of vigilantes broke into the jail that evening and, and dragged him down to uh, Front Street by the railroad depot and threw a rope around the crossbar on the telegraph pole and made Big Nose tie his neck to it. He pled with the vigilantes to shoot him so he wouldn't choke to death, but they ignored his plea. He jumped off of a barrel, but the rope was too long and he landed on the ground so they got a ladder made him climb up higher and tied the rope shorter 
after he'd been hanging there for a while, somebody called for someone to check to see if he was dead. He wasn't at that time, and so they let him hang a little longer. He didn't break his neck. We don't even know if there was a hangman's noose on the rope. The knotted uh, rope in a hangman's noose is built to knock you out when you drop so you're you're unconscious when your neck breaks he probably just choked to death dr john osborne uh, declared that he was dead there were a couple hundred people that witnessed it which were you know rollins residents at the time and most of the, the people that witnessed it probably felt it's not a pleasant thing but you know he was a murderer and uh, he was going to meet his maker and nobody ever got investigated for having done it. Well, you would hope that this incident down by the railroad depot in Rollins would be the end of Big Nose George. It wasn't. At least not the end of his story, anyway. He was cut down, and nobody claimed the body, so it was turned over to Dr. Osborne. Then they cut the, the top of his skull off to study the brain. And that was standard practice back then. Once they did that, Osborne ended up giving the skull cap to his young assistant, Lillian Heath, and then he went about on his own, uh, skidding the outlaw, tanning the hide, and making a pair of shoes. A picture of the shoes in question is the icon for today's show, along with Big Nose George's skull. They're a two-tone dress shoe with the bottom lower part of the shoe is a light color and the upper part of the shoe is a dark color. They honestly sort of look like saddle shoes, and if you don't know what those are, think of the Charlie Brown comics and the character named Lucy. She wore a blue dress, and she wore saddle shoes. They were white around the toes and black up around where the laces are. The Big Nose George shoes look a lot like that, except for around where the laces are, they're dark brown instead of black. And the crime lab has said that the lighter portion of those shoes are consistent with the texture of human flesh and that the dark color is actually boot leather that was cut away from the boots Big Nose George wore at the time he was hanged based on the crime lab's findings. After the body was released to Dr. Osborne, Big Nose George's remains, at least the majority of them, disappeared. That was until someone was building a basement in the vacant lot next to the old doctor's office in Rollins over 70 years later in the 1950s. In 1950, they were building the basement for Hestads or something like that, and that's when they, they discovered the barrel. You know, word got out right away that something interesting had been discovered. They found a barrel laying horizontal in the ground. Well, there was a crowd there by the time they knocked the lid off the barrel and the bones were there. The body they found, the skeleton they found in a barrel, was missing his skullcap. Remember Lillian Heath, the 16-year-old assistant to the doctor at the time of George's death in 1881? Lillian Heath, who was still alive, she was 80-something or whatever, and she had a skullcap from the outlaw, Big Nose George, who was hanged in Rollins in 1881. And they went up, got the skullcap. Her husband came down there with the county coroner, and they held the skullcap against the rest of the skull, and it was a perfect fit. And that, at that moment, proved who the body in the barrel was. 
Sure enough, a 1950 photo in Lori Van Pelt's article credit to the Carbon County Museum shows two men in suits and cowboy hats holding a skull between them in the sunlight. One is Ben Sturgis, the Carbon County coroner. The other is Lou Nelson, Lillian Heath's husband. You can clearly see a straight line bisecting the skull's forehead and going around its temple between the actual skull and the skull cap that has been placed back onto it for a perfect fit. Something else was also found in the barrel something that makes the story of the shoes even more surreal. The boots, Big Nose George's boots, were buried in the barrel with Big Nose. The leather above a cowboy boot, you know, that goes up the shin, all that was cut away and missing. So I think that's probably what he used for half of the shoes. I think anybody who hears the story has to wonder, what was wrong with Dr. Osborne? I think there's, there's something about... Uh, Osborne that just doesn't track as normal. One argument is maybe things were different back then. That attitudes about life and death were different. And, of course, being a doctor, Osborne might have had an even further different view on things like that. Furthermore, since George's body was used for experiments and studies, especially on what was then called the criminal brain, perhaps using his skin for something else became easier as he seemed like less of a person and more of an object to be used according to the doctor's needs. However, I asked the man who actually knows a lot more about history what he thinks Osborne was thinking. Why Osborne did it, I have no idea. He couldn't have known Big Nose very well when he was alive, because Osborne himself was only in Wyoming for a few weeks before he was hanged. So they couldn't have, you know, built up a strong love or hate relationship together. So, Well, Osborne probably didn't know Big Nose George. You have to wonder if he might have known one of his victims. Both Osborne and the other doctor in Rollins, Thomas McGee, had worked for the Union Pacific Railroad as doctors. Could it be possible that one or both of them knew, or were even close with, the railroad agent, Henry Tip Vincent, who George's gang had killed? If they had been close with Vincent, that might explain a further disdain for George and a willingness to make shoes out of him. What Dr. John Osborne did seems to bring up something ghoulish, something like... The Doc Robinson of Mark Twain's Tom Sawyer, who paid men to rob graves. Something from a time when medicine was, well, less professional and more trial and error. However, one of the many odd things about Osborne was that about a decade after Big Nose George was killed, Dr. John Osborne became Governor John Osborne in 1893 when he was inaugurated as the third governor of Wyoming. In my search for anything else odd about this doctor and governor an amateur cobbler. One thing I found was that there was a weird incident in December of 1892 in which Osborne had been elected, but before being sworn in during the official inauguration to come in January, he hired a notary public to give him the oath of office and then attempted to not only set up office in the Capitol building in Cheyenne, but act as the governor, even though Amos W. Barber was the acting governor. Lori Van Pelt's 2016 article on yohistory.org, linked in the description, better explains exactly what happened, especially with regard to the struggles at the time between Democrats and Republicans, as well as some of the fears and uncertainties that had been spawned by the very recent Johnson County War. An article from the Cheyenne Daily Sun at the time said that armed men on the side of the acting governor, Amos W. Barber, and on the side of Osborne both were present in the Capitol during the incident. However, the article summed up the situation to say, no trouble, no sign of trouble, 
No loud talking, plenty of quiet, earnest consultation. To learn more about what really happened, I urge you to read Lori Van Pelt's article. However, eventually Osborne was sworn in at his inauguration. According to that article by Van Pelt, the new governor apparently wore the shoes made from Big Nose George to the inauguration. I, I think there are things about John Osborne that we, do, we don't understand. In fact, he got a letter in 1937 while those bones were laying in the ground in a barrel. He got a letter from the state library uh, telling him that they had uh, a human jawbone given to them that may have belonged to Big Nose George Parrott. And they wrote Osborne a letter who was still alive, retired, and Rollins, and uh, asked, could you, could you help shed light on this? And he wrote back and said, I regret that I'm unable to help you with the question you, you sent me. So he knew that moment. He knew where Big Nose George's jaw was because he buried it 50 years before. But he didn't say a word. My search to see if Governor Osborne ever did anything else weird or something else involving human body parts was not in vain. In a 1913 article from the Washington, D.C. Evening Star, John Osborne, who'd just been appointed as Assistant Secretary of State by then-President Woodrow Wilson, surfaces again. The article says of the 55-year-old former Wyoming governor that he had not only seen the real remains of Christopher Columbus, but that he had handled his bones. At the time, Osborne was in the Dominican Republic doing whatever it is assistant secretaries of state are supposed to do, and was told by locals that, contrary to popular belief, Columbus's remains were not shipped back to Spain, but were still there. Osborne was quoted as saying, It seems to me that it would be an excellent idea to place the remains on a battleship when the Panama Canal is opened and take them through the canal. Apparently, Columbus spent a lot of time on his last voyage trying to find a strait that would let him travel through what is now Panama to the rumored vast oceans to the west. Osborne continued in the article to say, In Columbus, North and South and Central America have a common hero whose praise all can join in singing. Despite his treatment of Big Nose George's remains, apparently Dr. Osborne thought very highly of Columbus's remains. I don't have any information if Columbus's remains were actually put on a battleship or any ship and taken through the Panama Canal upon its opening or any canal, but I doubt it. Johnny Osborne, doctor, governor, assistant secretary of state, and man of very unusual footwear, died of a heart attack at age 84, only seven years before the body he had buried next to his practice was discovered. Despite his apparent unwillingness to speak about where the rest of Big Nose George's body was, he kept the Big Nose George shoes on display with a death mask and a photo of Big Nose George in the Rollins National Bank, where Osborne was the bank's director. Eventually, they were donated to the Carbon County Museum in Rollins, Wyoming, where you can still see them today. Finally, Lillian Heath, the teenager who had been given Big Nose George's skull cap, later became Dr. Lillian Heath the first female physician in Wyoming in 1893 at the age of 27. In her oral history, she mentioned dressing as a boy and carrying a 32 caliber pistol in her pocket when going on calls at night for her safety, though she never had to use the gun. 
There's a photo of Dr. Heath I saw in a different article from 2014 by Lori Van Pelt that shows Dr. Heath most likely taken at or around the time that Big Nose George's skeleton was found in the barrel. She's wearing a polka dot dress and looks mostly like a grandma, but in her hands she holds what looks like a marbled candy dish. It's the top of Big Nose George's skull that she had kept all those years. I want to thank you for listening to That Doesn't Happen Every Day. I want to make sure to thank Dr. Miller and encourage people to buy his book. It's available on Amazon. Again, it is called Big Nose George, His Troublesome Trail. I want to thank Lori Van Pelt for her great articles about the subject. All of the articles that I used in this program are linked in the description. I encourage you to check them out, especially the part about Governor Osborne assuming office too early. I also want to thank Andrew Webster and Kalia McCuddy of the Carbon County Museum for helping me with the photos. If you want to see the shoes made from Big Nose George, be sure to stop in at the Carbon County Museum in Rollins, Wyoming. During my search for odd things about Governor Osborne, Andrew pointed out that Osborne attended the University of Vermont at Burlington at the same time that the serial killer H.H. Holmes also went there. H.H. Holmes was the murderer featured in Eric Larson's The Devil in the White City. We have no proof that the men actually knew each other or interacted or had any influence on each other. However, I thought that was really cool that Andrew found that out and pointed it out to me. If you're listening to this podcast on the radio, I ask you to also please follow it online. If you do a search for That Doesn't Happen Every Day, two words, podcast, you'll be able to find it and follow it and hear all of the shows I've ever made for free. I hope to have a new show to you soon. Thanks and have a good day.